0: Well, hey, one of the beauties of doing a live show uh, is that in between each time that you sit down, I get to see texts that people sent me. And, uh, you know, first of all, let me let me clarify here. Uh, Gabe and Mark did an amazing job. OK, it, it was the baby Mark with the, 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 ba- the bag on your head. Evidently, we forgot baby Jesus somewhere, um, which don't tell any of my pastor friends that that happened. Uh, so they just kind of improv. there on the spot, and that's what they came up with, um, which, hey, it was great. And so thankful for them and the role that they play. And then also, I don't know if you can see this, but we, we've we got people in the tech booth uh, in the back. We've got Daniel Kolke, Col- James Kolke. We've got Scott on, uh, on the words, and Lacey on vocals, and Fred here on guitar, and Danny on the piano. And so, so, so amazing that we could just kind of pull this together. I mean, we were, we were planning on doing this, but in a different spot tonight. And so we're just grateful that you're able to be with us. Uh, I wanted to start this evening just by kind of talking about the song, the Advent song that Lacey just shared with us. And as soon as I can find my notes, there we go. Uh, this is the time of year where there's, I think just a general longing, um, For God to show himself, even to people like us who might feel a little numb by what we think we already know about him. And one of the things that we want this time of year is to make time and space for God. No matter how uh, busy or burdened or numb we might feel, you know, how do we make room for God? In the last couple of days, like I said at the beginning, it's been a little bit of a challenge, at least for me and my family. At our house, we've been dealing with frozen water pipes uh, one morning, uh, power outages multiple days. Uh, Thankfully, we didn't have any branches falling on our house, but man, we've got water pooling everywhere. Uh, There's snow that's drifted into our attic space that we discovered, and uh, it's just been kind of a constant thing for the last couple days. And if it's my job to stay focused on Christmas, because I'm a pastor and I get paid to do this, and I feel a little preoccupied, I can only imagine what it's been like for you. And so here we are. It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. And I kind of wonder how Mary and Joseph felt around the time that Jesus was born. Maybe they were kind of preoccupied, too. I mean, talk about the world's most terrible timing. For Mary and Joseph, it was difficult. They had to be, had to be in Bethlehem. And traveling a week's journey on foot from Nazareth to Bethlehem, man, that had to have been a challenge for Mary at that stage in her pregnancy and the whole question is, why? Why did they have to be in Bethlehem so that they could be counted in a census? That is right? I mean, give me a break. That's how far the power of Caesar reached way back then, all the way from Rome to the tiny village of Nazareth in ancient Palestine. And so Mary and Joseph would have to leave their home and make such a journey at such a time, all because some guy named Caesar decided it was so. And the why was to help Rome figure out how much tax that they owed. So if you and I complain about paying taxes, imagine that one, huh? Well, to make matters worse, Mary and Joseph didn't even fit, like literally. You know, it's likely that they traveled down well in advance of the baby's due date, and I don't I doubt that they even kept track of a due date like we do, but they would have known, like generally, okay, here's when this is gonna happen. And it's likely that they would have gone in advance of that to Bethlehem and spent time just living in the area with Joseph's family. But when it was time for the baby's birth, Luke tells us that Mary wrapped him in clothes, her cloths, and placed him in a manger. And then, almost to clarify that last point because she put him where in, in a in a manger almost to clarify that point Luke says well because there was no guest room available for them oh right uh, that's why we put the infant in a feeding trough like, there's there's no guest room available for them And Luke's original audience would have understood that peasant families or many houses of that era were kind of split level affairs, like the bedrooms for the family. They were kind of on one level and the living area along with the family animals were in another. And so the guest room, wherever they were staying, was occupied. And, you know, giving birth is kind of loud. So guess what, Mary and Joseph? You're down there. With the animals and the cold hard fact beyond having animals in the birthing suite is that there was no room where the rest of the people stayed they just didn't fit and maybe you can relate maybe it's you who feels out of place pressed for time like you don't fit and you need to know that just like Mary and Joseph in tough times it's going to be okay. God's got you. Or maybe you can relate to the struggle of trying to just make room for what God is trying to do. And what comes to our lives, what more could we possibly fit into them? Maybe we'd like to accommodate Jesus. Maybe we'd like to make room for God. But our lives are just kind of absolutely, literally full. And we just don't have space or time. And so if that's you, I'd say, man, don't close the door. All God needs is a little space, a little crack. Of course, you can ignore him. You can shut that door. But if the intention of your heart is to say, God, help me out here. Help me to make room. He's going to help you. And so to Mary and Joseph, that trip to Bethlehem may have seemed pointless, maybe even cruel. But there was a higher purpose, even a higher power at work than even that of Caesar. You know, Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was the birthplace of David, whose throne the Messiah would sit on forever. In fact, the prophet Micah once proclaimed, hundreds of years before this, that you, Bethlehem, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. It was most likely that Jesus would be born in Nazareth. I mean, that was where the the odds were. Yet the timing of Caesar's royal decree put Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem just at the moment of his birth. Sure, God could have sent another angel to Mary or to send another dream to Joseph and said, hey, make sure the kid's born in Bethlehem. But he didn't. Instead, God worked through their circumstances to fulfill his plans. So who's the highest power in the land? Is it Caesar? Or is it God? You know, the implications for us are huge. At times, at least for me, it can feel like I'm just caught kind of in the gears of life where there's so much out of my control, when situations are unfair and unbending. But even then, I have to remember, God's at work. God's on my side. In fact, he can transcend all of my challenges, even my pain. In fact, our suffering doesn't have to be pointless. God's big enough to transform it. He's big enough to redeem it. He's big enough to heal us even while accomplishing his higher purposes at the same time. Not only can God do all of that, at the same moment, he can bring us joy amidst our hardships. You know, I'm guessing that even after the pain of labor and childbirth, Mary's heart was pretty full, especially when she looked in the eyes of that precious baby boy. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. You know, some scholars, they believe that this phrase, you know, being wrapped in cloths, being placed in a manger, it's a bit of foreshadowing. It's an allusion to the day that Mary's son would die. The day another Joseph, this time of Arimathea, would take his body down from the cross, wrap it up in linen cloth, and lay it in a tomb. It's kind of a bookend to the beginning of his life here in the first two chapters of Luke. But that day of grief, at least for Mary, was a long way away. That day of grief was also lined with hope and even joy, even though at the time she didn't know it. But that's a long way away. Today, for Mary, was a day of celebration. God thought so too. See, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, In Luke chapter two, verse nine, we read, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Well, back then for people hearing about the birth of Jesus, they would have been shocked, uh, really surprised to hear about the shepherds. In fact, they would have been as surprised about the shepherds as we're probably surprised about the, you know, comparatively dirty place where Jesus was born. The catch-all word for all of this is lowly. Nowadays, when people want to accuse you of being a little rough around the edges, they'd say things like, hey, were you born in a barn? And Jesus would be like, yeah, I kind of was. So what? (laughs) But in Jesus' day, royal births, they were announced just like this, with singing choirs, with great fanfare, except it would have been announced to members of the royal court. It would have been announced to a gathering of the most powerful and the most wealthy and the most influential people of the kingdom or of the land or of the nation, the cultural, the political elite. That's who would have been hearing the singing choirs and this announcement of a great birth. So for a company of angels to announce this good news to a group of shepherds, shepherds watching their sheep sleep, Well, that's kind of like showing up in modern times at a homeless encampment. I mean, you have to ask God, really? Is this how you make an entrance? This is how you, God, choose to be born? This is who you want to tell first? Shepherds? But it wasn't a mistake. God did it on purpose. He's making a statement. He may be the king of kings but there's no place so dirty he's too proud to go. There's no person so lowly that he's too lofty to embrace. Think about that. Does that fit with what you've come to think about God? You know, if you could author your own birth story, would it go down like this? I mean, I believe in God. I believe that he became human in the person of Jesus. But even I'm astonished that he did it like this. I mean, arriving on a cloud, yes. Being born in a barn, no. It's just not right, is it, God? But all of this should challenge what we think we know about our Creator. You know, I've heard the Christmas story a lot over my lifetime. In fact, this is my 47th Christmas. And yes, still exciting yes still lots of fun things that i'm looking forward to but if i'm being brutally honest i'd also say that christmas has lost a little bit of the former magic for me in the last few years i've heard something mentioned over and over again it's this that people who are living in the decade of their 40s they're the people who 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 report the lowest amount of happiness across their lifetime. You know, like if happiness across your life is U-shaped, okay, you know, it starts being really happy and it kind of heads downhill and then it bottoms out down here before it starts to head up again. Well, down here, this is the decade of your 40s. And the first time I heard that, I was like, that just can't be right. And now I, I kind of just want to say, well, <laughs> duh, right? I mean, this is the decade where everything seems to converge upon you. Job changes, career changes, major family changes, deaths, divorces. You've got mortgages. You've got gray hair starting to show. You've got kids and their schedules to work around, plus your work schedule. It's the start of the middle of your life where you say, really, is this how it's all turning out? And then to top it all off, your body starts to do really, really strange things. I won't talk about that here. So it's easy to feel like middle school where, man, I just don't fit or wow, I feel like I'm getting less be left behind. Oh, guess what? It's Christmas again. Smile. Well, I'm starting to see that maybe the root of all this, all this unhappiness, at least in my life, is that I've started to make life all about me. You know, the Advent devotional that we've been reading together as a church. It's by Bet Dickinson. For day 20, she was talking about the shepherds and why people like me need to encounter once again the birth of Jesus, the wild, crazy astonishment of the incarnation when God goes out of his way to enter our world and welcome those who feel most excluded, including me but also people not like me. The shepherds are definitely not like me, and yet the angel says, today in the town of David, a Savior's been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A Savior's been born to you and me, to us. A Savior for people across all countries and cultures, all ages and levels of happiness and income and political leanings and whatever might make you different from me. That's the miracle of the incarnation, this radical inclusive generosity of God. A savior has been born to us. And so as we arrive here at Christmas once again, no matter how busy or impatient or preoccupied or feeling out of place or numb that you might feel to it all right now, don't miss the fact God's big enough to use whatever circumstance for His plan, for His glory. And He may even surprise you and me. He may even deliver you and me. Or He may simply just be with you and me this Christmas he's Emmanuel Lord Jesus come please join me in prayer Lord we come before you and and we shake our heads and we say could this really be are you really real Is this how you really are? That you would show up on our planet 2,000 years ago in the flesh of a little baby? Yes. And you didn't need to be a celebrity. You didn't need a lot of attention. In fact, you chose a, a teenage girl as a mom in a really obscure place of the world, among people who are really, really, really poor and not powerful in any way at all. And yet it didn't matter, God, because that's who you are and that's how you roll. And so help us, Lord, to be astonished once again by the presence of your Son in our life and just how you work in this world You are enough and you are more powerful than we can even conceive. But so often you choose to work in the little mundane, simple things in our life. Help us not to miss that. And when it feels like we're just grinding it out, when it feels like things are out of our control and man, this isn't going well, help us to remember that you can even be at work in those circumstances. You are with us. No matter how hard it may be, when we have you in our life, there's joy, there's love, there's peace, there's hope. Help us to remember that this year. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus.